Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Well, it is an exciting one on Spiro Avenue tonight. You know, I am famously bringing you uh, dignitaries left and right. Just, uh, what, 10 days ago, we brought you the Michigan State quarterback of the future. And now tonight we present the Michigan State quarterback of the present, a legend already, a legend that is growing up there in East Lansing. It is a sparkling, dazzling, bedazzled Spiro Avenue debut for him. He is the current starting quarterback for Michigan State University, the high school teammate of Jaden Reed. Peyton Thorne, welcome to the Spiro Avenue Show. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for the, the, the kind introduction. That was a cool... Uh, Cool video you guys had there. That was uh, that was fun to watch. Hey, all glory to Ben in the back, man. He does all the hard work. I just talk. People are like, "Oh, what a fantastic production!" It's like I, I just point <laughs> point to the Oz man in the back. So it's great to have you. I know you got like a workout at four a.m. or something back yeah. home. So I'm going to try to keep it tight. We got a lot to get to, so I'm going to get right into it. I want to get into your sort of uh, ascent into the role. So you're the quarterback of Michigan State right now. You've been for a while now at this point. But it was a little bit uh, rocky, no pun intended, for you at first. We didn't know kind of whether you were going to be the starter, what was going to happen. Some people were saying you might transfer. So we're sitting here in 2022. I want to sort of hop in the time machine, get into 2020. So we all remember you now as the starter, and that those are the five memories. Looking back, Rocky Lombardi opens 2020 as the starter. No one really knew much about you. We read Colton Pouncey's great piece in The Athletic saying that you were kind of the next guy and Drew Brees 2.0 and all that stuff, but no one had really seen you play. It was all kind of hearsay. Rocky opens the season and, you know, look, Rocky took down Michigan and one of the most satisfying Michigan wins ever. So he's, he's good with me forever, but uh, the offense certainly sputtered. It was a little bit uh, underwhelming. I'm curious to, to take me into the mind of Peyton Thorne because you don't see extended action in 2020 until the fourth game of that year you finally take over primary quarterback duties in like the last third of that shortened season. As soon as you got out there, the upgrade at quarterback was pretty clear. Was that frustrating for you? Did you know on the sidelines, like, look, I can do better than we're doing right now. Can you kind of take me into your mind there? Yeah, it was an interesting year. Obviously you throw COVID in there and then, you know, we were home for like four months or something. We got sent home from school, no spring ball. Um, uh, interesting fall camp, the season's canceled. Then all of a sudden it's back on. So we were all over the place that year. And so um, it was up and down for everybody. And then for me, um, obviously, you know, I wanted to win the job that year, uh, did not. And, um, you know, through that whole year, it was tough uh, to, you know, kind of battle that every day of not being the guy, you know, and um, try to just come in every day and and practice and prepare like I was going to play, you know. And then those first, you know, three, four games where I didn't play, it was tough because you're thinking, hey, I'm going to get in there at some point. It's just going to happen. And it didn't. Um, but, you know, by the end of the season, it did. And then I was able to start, you know, the Penn State game. And um, that feels like forever ago now that I'm talking about it. It feels like 100 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was a tough year. Uh, but everything happens for a reason. I really believe that. And, uh, you know, through the whole process, I believe that, you know, God was at work and, you know, it was, there was a reason that, that I was, you know, not playing that year. And, um, 
you know, I'm okay with that looking back on it now. Obviously, during that time, I wish I was playing, but, you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason, and uh, I'm excited about everything that happened last year and what we're about to do uh, this upcoming year. I'm glad that you're measured because Michigan State fans, and I include myself among them, are not. Because when we saw you finally get in, because everyone is saying, God, how bad is Peyton Thorne and (laughs) Theo Day that, like, he can't? I mean, again, I'm not trying to be mean to Rocky, but I just, it was not working. And we had heard really good things about you. So it's like, what's the coaching staff doing? So we see you get in there, tough spots. I mean, you're playing Ohio State, Penn State. Like, you're not playing the cupcake part of the schedule. And you played pretty well, especially for a guy with no experience. I mean, we grabbed a couple of the reactions, one of which is mine. But we'll start with Andy Isaac, famous Twitter presence, uh, frequent guest of the show at this point. So a little bit harsh on the coaching staff from Andy. But this is we're seeing you light it up in December. And Isaac comes on and says, it's an indictment of this coaching staff that Thorne isn't played over Lombardi. And then you flip to mine. I, 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 I was a little bored, kind of light-hearted about it. Quote, I know COVID has been bad, but has anything in 2020 been worse than Rocky Lombardi starting over Peyton Thorne? So I mean, the, hyperbolic, obviously, but that was the attitude of the fan base when we saw you get in there. So when you get in there and actually play, is there some element of you that's like, like I should have been in here week one or what's going through your head. There's no like kind of chip on the shoulder a little bit there. I mean, there's a, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, but it's not really like towards my coaches or anything like that. You know, I love, I really love our coaches. You know, I love coach Johnson. I, I love coach Tuck. I love playing for both of them. And um, you know, it was just a chip on my shoulder to prove, uh, you know, myself to not, not just my teammates and my coaches, but also to myself that, that I belong. And I, I believe that I belong from the start. And uh, to go out and play, although we didn't win, you know, the games that I played in in 2020, um, you know, I felt like I was able to show a little bit of something to my teammates that uh, that they could believe in for for this past year. Um, and you know, but really, there was no there was no like um, you know trying to get back at anybody. It wasn't it wasn't like trying to you know show my coaches that they were wrong or anything like that. Um, it was just me trying to go out there and execute and you know run our offense and and do what I've been coached to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes we did that and other times, you know, we didn't do that during that season, but, um, you know, that, that, that was kind of my mindset. I defended the coaching staff on my show at the time when we were sort of unpacking it because the logical, it's easy to look back now. Rocky Lombardi had two years on you in the program, I think. Yep. At least like maybe three, multiple years experience on you. And you mentioned the COVID weird year. Mel Tucker has been there for like 15 minutes. I kind of get defaulting to the guy that's been here for twice as long as you have and kind of letting you work through that. So that's like in their defense. I think that's, you know, kind of fair to say, Uh, you know, obviously you seize the role. I think for your lack of experience in the roster and what it was performed very well, especially going against the opponents that you did and you go to the off season. I have to think for at least five minutes, you thought like, okay, I'm the guy now. Like Rocky ends up transferring. It It comes out that he's going to Northern Illinois. So for at least a day, you had to think like, this is my spot. Writing's on the wall. It's Peyton Thorne's job. Rocky sees it. Everybody sees it. And then we get the news that Anthony Russo is transferring in six-year senior out of Temple. And this is not a guy that would come here if it was just the, the job is Peyton Thorne's. Everybody knows he's coming here to at least compete, if not just have it handed to him. What's going through your mind when you see the news, Anthony Russo transferring to yeah. Michigan State? How did you hear about it? Do you remember? And what's going through your mind, man? I do remember. I was, uh, 
it was the week after Penn State. We were uh, we had just came in from practice. We were getting ready for Maryland for the second time we were playing Maryland, where we didn't even play them again. So um, I came in from practice. You know, I was sitting in my locker, uh, turned my phone on, and and that was one of the first things I saw. And um, you know, it really wasn't a shock to me. I was uh, surprised that it happened that fast. I didn't know who we were going to get. I but I did assume that we were going to bring somebody in. You know, so that didn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, when I was named the starter against Penn State, there was like a day or two. I was like, okay, here we go. You know, um, you know, now now it's time. And then, um, you know, I saw that news, but um, you know, I really didn't think too much of it. I just thought it was competition coming in, and you know, I'd never thought for a second about leaving myself. And um, you know, the transfer portal um, did not interest me at all at that time. You know, I was uh, ready to compete, and I was excited to compete. And I remember talking to my dad about that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to play against Maryland that that week. I was looking forward to that game. But, um, you know, obviously everything worked out and, and the whole offseason was what it was. I know, you know, the nature of the program and having had, you know, Warren McCree here, Darian Harris on the show prior. It is, you know, as competitive as Mel Tucker says. It's was it compete to stay or whatever. The, the... Compete to play, compete to play, compete, compete to stay. Yeah, there you go. We there got it. Go. So I, I they're very open about that. But is there some like. I don't know if you've seen draft day when like they're, they're trading for the first overall pick and they're going to take Bo Callahan and the Brian drew the current quarterbacks like pissed off. Like they're going to replace me and the strength coaches in the locker room. Like it's okay, man, like beat them out, get in there. Did that happen for you at Michigan state? Was there like a strength coach or a, you know, Jay Johnson pull you aside? Like, Hey man, like chin up when that news came out or was there just no acknowledgement at all? Not really. Um, you know, there wasn't anything like that. I know I had, um, you know, I know, I know there were certain people that were pulling for me uh, in the program, and you know some of those people told me, and then other those people told me, you know, way later. But um, there was nothing really like that. I remember I met with Coach Johnson right before I left for um, kind of the winter, uh, so I just kind of met with them right before we left, um, you know, for January a little bit. And I just asked him, you know, I said, "Was anybody promised?" anything and I and is it truly going to be a competition he said absolutely it's going to be a competition uh, so I said okay well that's all I wanted to know and uh you know if that's the case which obviously you know it was and uh and it is for every position uh you know in our program and uh you know coach Tucker came back this offseason and we when he was talking to the whole team our first team meeting this year he, he said nobody's guaranteed anything and that's how it should be you know if, if you're the best player you should play no matter what the guy before you did or has done, if you're better than he is, then you should play. And uh, so he made that clear. And, you know, he's proven that by the decision that he's made to play um, some guys over over another. I'm probably the least reliably informed Michigan State person. <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain. I have 30 people that I know close to the program or purport to be close to the program. Some yeah. actually are, some aren't. And I had a split camp of like, Half the people were saying it's going to be Thor, not that who they were rooting for, just this is who the program is going to name. Yep. And the other half were Russo. Take me through the competition. You mentioned the competition. It was like five minutes before the game or 10 minutes before the game. We had no idea. I mean, we didn't. Was it that neck and neck the whole way? Someone whispering your ear two weeks before that first game against Northwestern. How did that actually play out? Yeah, it was, it was a close competition uh, in terms of the numbers and everything. You know, obviously they keep track of of every statistic throughout practice, through fall camp, through spring ball. And, um, you know, the, the stats were close and, um, 
you know, it, it felt like forever before I found out. Uh, I think I found out only like nine days before the game, which obviously is not much time for um, the usual uh, in terms of getting ready for your first game of, your, uh, of the year. And so it felt like forever for me. But when I finally got the news, you know, obviously I was excited. But then it was quickly, you know, turned my focus to our 12-game season, 13-game season we had ahead of us. But, yeah, the competition was close. And, uh, you know, it was very uh, mentally, you know, it, was a, it came with a lot of mental strain to show up every day and to, you know, keep the same focus and make sure that you're not, uh, you know, getting down or upset about something or some little thing. You got to show up every day and be consistent. So um, it was a, a tough and interesting year, but, you know, obviously it made me a lot better um, as a player and, and as a person, honestly. It's a shame either one of you guys had to lose that. Russo's a great guy. He, he famously attended our event in this past July. We had the Jill and Watch Jackson painting unveiling, and yeah. we had a couple of your teammates, Elijah Collins and Connor Hayward, and he came, and I had invited – I know I invited you. I can't remember if you even responded, but you and Jaden Reed. And Jaden was like, actually, no, like I'm like Peyton's throwing passes to me that weekend or something really? like in Illinois. You guys were doing something together? Oh, yeah. Yep. You were training together or something? I think uh, that must have been when we were back. And actually, Ken came back with us too. And, yeah, uh, you he know, was there. He spent the week at, at my house, and they stayed a couple nights at, at Bird's house. Bird is Jaden. I call him Bird. Um at his house, and you know, we were doing some stuff there, so that must have been it. I mean, we just got a kick out of that because I, I must have had five people tell me the joke that night. Like, you know, and Russo was not, even though he's legal age, he wasn't drinking, he was like the nicest guy, he was just here having fun. And, yeah, but people were like, Oh, Russo's here at the party, and Peyton Thorne's throwing passes to Jaden. Like, <laughs> it's like that was like the early insight that Peyton Thorne was gonna win the job, but I mean, I obviously not, but um. Yeah. That competition seemed to be genuinely neck and neck the whole way through. I, I got to think it's nice for you now. You, you go through the battle in 2020, like trying to get in front of Rocky, you finally get there. And then the transfer comes in. Now you're back in the battle. You're not battling now. Like you got to be the guy. How is that different for you mentally going into the year where I can just focus? Like I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to wonder what, you know, the backup quarterback's numbers are in practice. Like you're the guy. How has that changed your mindset? Yeah, obviously it's nice to not have year three of a of a competition in the off season. Um, you know that was a, a long two years, but um, you know I remember something that Tom Brady said, and obviously Tom Brady didn't go to the right uh, university, but um, Tom Brady said later in his career that he is still competing every day, and he still has to prove himself every day to his teammates and his coaches, and that's the greatest quarterback of all time. You know he's got nothing to prove, and he you know, shows up every day and feels like he has something to prove. And, you know, I think that if you're not showing up every day uh, trying to prove something that either you still got it or that you're getting better, which in my case, I want to be getting better, um, you know, then then you've lost it. So uh, there's still plenty of competition for me, um, you know, trying to beat our defense more uh, than we usually do or, or something like that. But uh, the different, the biggest difference for me this year, this offseason, is that I have time now with our receivers where I can, you know, say, hey, we're meeting, and there's no like second guessing in their mind, like, oh, well, he might not even be our, he might not even be the quarterback, you know? It's um, okay, you know, we know this guy, he played last year. Um, we've been through a season with him. Now, okay, I, I have a little bit of trust with him. And, uh, you know, I believe that meeting and, and going over this stuff and throwing a little bit extra is actually, you know, something that, I should do because this guy is is probably going to be playing, you know, and um, 
the relationship with the coaches is different now too. Um, you know, after last season and talking to Coach Johnson, and then you know going over our offense for uh, you know fine tuning some things and putting some things in, taking some things out. Because same thing, we're always trying to get better as a, as an offense collectively. And obviously, we got different pieces this year, so it's it's going to be different. And um, you know, being able to work with him and collaborate. Uh, with him and hear what he wants, you know, to see from me and what he wants me to work on with the other guys and stuff like that. So um, I'd say that's the biggest difference between the last two years and, and this offseason so far. As long as the flea flickers stay in the playbook, <laughs> like, I, those can't leave. That's, yeah. I want to see, like, Absolutely. if anything, ramp up the flea flickers, right. actually, if we can. Yeah, yeah but let Jay know we got to call more, if anything. Right. Yeah, I, I, we had a pretty interesting text thread going on a couple of weeks ago, a couple of my Michigan State buddies. And one of them said, if Peyton Thorne just statistically repeats the exact same, like just hypothetically, what he did in 2021 and 2022, just copy, paste the stats, then goes to the NFL. I know you have more eligibility than that. But let's say that's what happens. He said, if that happens, Peyton Thorne's the best quarterback in Michigan State football history. Three other people on the thread, me being one of them, couldn't disagree. It was pretty much unanimous. That's just if you stay one more year, you have multiple years you could stay. Have you kind of considered your legacy here at all? Because you had a pretty awesome year last year. It's a you know a program that's had some pretty good quarterbacks come through, Cook and Cousins yep. in recent vintage. Like, do you think about that, or is that more of a fan weird text message thread thing? You know, um, I'd be you know I'd be lying if I said it didn't cross my mind sometimes. But um, you know, to be even said in the same you know breath as as those guys, you know. Kirk Cousins, Connor Cook, and the thing to be able to look back and see the things that they did, um, you know, it's pretty cool. And I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to even be in that, you know, sentence with those guys. Uh, obviously, they they've done some great things here, but there's a lot more that I would have to do to be able to be in the same category as those guys. And I'm still young, and you know, I've only got one year under my belt, so I I feel like there's a lot more to be done before you know that uh, is realistic. But um, the first time that I ever even like realized it was my dad. It was probably like week 10 or something or week 11. And my dad kind of texted me and said, Hey, you're, you're actually kind of close to the touchdown record. And I was like, geez, I had no idea. You know, I'd never even looked at, I didn't even know what the record was for single season touchdowns. The one, the one record I did, you know, remember looking up was uh, the wins record with Connor cook. And I think he's got like 35, something like that. 34, 35. Yeah. I mean, that was like 12, 12, 13 yeah. or so, 14 or whatever um, I remember my freshman year, I saw that one. I, and, you know, that was one that always, you know, stuck. And, uh, but yeah, my dad kind of texted me one day and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and so at the end of the season, you know, when, when I saw that, um, you know, I was able to set that record, uh, that was pretty cool to, to be able to be right there with, um, you know, cousins and, and those guys, you know, Drew Stanton, uh, all those guys. And they're in our quarterback room, their pictures are right there. So, um, you see him every day and, you know, to see the careers that those guys have had and what they did here, you know, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it, it's something I strive to be able to, um, you know, be a part of that, that group of guys. Yeah. I mean, you're the year you had is as good as any year statistically. It's just, you know, those guys had at least two of those years. So right. that's, you know, really the only difference is time. Yep. Well, is there like a sort of a line in the sand with you in your head, maybe conversations with your dad, Jeff? If I throw 29 touchdowns, five picks, and I'm getting notice that I'm a second round draft grade, like is there is there some line where you're like, okay, this is my last year. If I hit X Y Z goals or numbers or this feedback from the NFL, is there 
something that's kind of there for you in your mind in, in terms of that? Um, you know, not, not really. Uh, I actually, you know, I was talking to coach Johnson the other day and it, you know, my focus isn't really the NFL right now. Obviously, you know, you do want to know what they think. And, you know, you, you I, I like to look at myself from that perspective of what I need to improve on, you know, technique wise, um, you know, and all that stuff. And, um, but I'm, I'm more focused on, on us right now and, and, and winning here uh, than the NFL, because I, I really believe that if we win here and, you know, we, we do the things that we've set out to do, then the rest of it will take care of itself. And my dad has always, you know, told me that in high school that, you know, the college stuff will come if you win, you know, people watch teams that win. They don't really, they don't, not a lot of eyes are on teams that lose. And so, you know, I believe that if we win and we're really, you know, high powered offense and we score a lot of points this year, then that'll all take care of itself. So there's no like stat line that I'm got my eyes on or anything like that. And I also think that when guys do that, they often, you know, end up coming up way short because their focus is on the wrong stuff. And after, you know, week two, they're concerned they don't have enough touchdowns yet and stuff like that. And they start pressing and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm focused on just winning games for us and, uh, you know, trying to have our offense as good as we can possibly be. And I think that, you know, like I said, the rest of it will take care of itself. So let's have a little bit of fun. I'm going to transition to your rival down the road, University of Michigan. I want you to be very careful because I don't want you to get in trouble here. <laughs> I want you to say anything that will get you in trouble. But I do want to talk about it, honestly. I want to start here. A few years back, a retired Big Ten official, he had two decades of experience in the Big Ten, also in the NFL a little bit too, but 20 years Big Ten official came out and said, the Michigan State rivalry with Michigan was the most intense he had seen, more so than Ohio State. This was Bill uh, Lemonier's quote, again, a 20-year Big Ten veteran official. With Michigan and Ohio State, it would be intense for the first few possessions and then settle in. But Michigan and Michigan State, it was like that from start to finish. That rivalry has always stood out to me. The OSU-U of M game was great, but the Michigan-Michigan State game, that was 60 full minutes of intensity. You got it from the players, the coaches, the fans. The whole package was there for three and a half hours. It's like down south, Auburn versus Alabama. That in-state rivalry is really something. Again, Bill Lemonier, 20-year veteran official in the Big Ten, who had officiated, I believe it was six Michigan-Ohio State games and four or five in-state Michigan-Michigan State games. So not a small sample size. He saw a lot about both. I've always argued, I don't care what anybody says, Michigan fans that I have them on the show, they think I'm nuts. I think that we are their bigger bigger rival. I go to work with these people. You know, I, I talk to these people every day. They don't talk about Ohio State. They talk about us. Yeah. And we talk about them. We're obsessed with each other. You were actually on the field in a prominent role in this game. I know it's different, but tell me how is it different? Are guys talking to you, trash talking you on the field? Is, is it as intense as everyone seems to say it is? Darren Harris said it's completely different from any other game. What was Peyton Thorne's experience just in terms of the chattiness, the intensity of it? Yeah, I would definitely agree with with that statement. You know, it is intense and, and it doesn't stop at any point in the game, especially this past game because of how close the game was and and, you know, everything that happened throughout that game. But you know, there's a certain dislike on both sides for each other. And, you know, oftentimes they like to say that they don't care about us or, or what we do, uh, which is funny. But, you know, we really don't like them. And and, and nobody's shy about that, you know, and, and they don't like us either. And so, you know, with a lot of rivalries, there's respect on both sides. And there's like a certain 
you know, like, okay, you know, we respect each other. But I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, that's not the case in this rivalry. And, you know, from what I've seen, I would agree. And, um, you know, it, it really is intense. And this past year was, you know, even to add on to the rivalry, there was college game day was there, uh, big new kickoff was there. And, you know, it was just a, it was a huge game, top 10 matchup. And, uh, you know, I think we were both undefeated, I'm pretty sure. And um, You were, yeah. So, you know, huge game this year. And so it carried even more than just the rivalry this year. And it was it was obviously a really fun game. And uh, it, was, it was intense. It was definitely intense on the field. And obviously the, the crowd was was going nuts the whole game. And it that was, was wild. That was, was awesome. Wild. Yeah. Did so. you see the clip? I'm not going to say the guy's name because I'm pretty sure. But I don't want to get the player wrong and then get sued if I say the wrong name. <laughs> but did you see the clip of the Michigan player like putting Kenneth Walker in a chokehold after a play? I did. I saw that clip. And, you know, I guess, I guess that's a good example. So, um I, I do remember seeing that. You saw that. Yeah, so, I was did. there anything like that? Was anyone like jamming their finger in your ear at the bottom of a pile at some point, or anything like that? Um, I don't remember anybody doing anything to me. I remember I got hit below the belt, but it wasn't on purpose. It was just kind of a hit. Um, I do remember that. But uh, you know, nothing happened to me. But I do remember seeing that on Twitter after the game. Actually, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was. Was was Aiden Hutchinson talking at all? What's what was he like out there? Uh, I don't really remember him talking much. Um, I, I honestly don't remember too much trash talking actually happening in the game. Um, you know, Coach Tucker tells us that you know we're, we're not supposed to talk to our team. So um, that's interesting. That's yeah. like a, a rule for you guys. That you don't talk. Yeah, we don't talk to the opponent or the officials. Um, wow. And so we talk to each other. Obviously, you know, sometimes guys will talk to the opponents and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say something to the official every once in a while, too. But, you know, that's that's what Coach Tuck says and that's what he stands by. And, you know, that's what we try to uh, um, do on the field and, and carry out. I assume you were pounding tape just as a team on um, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, just in the prep up to that game. What's your take on him? Because he might be a Detroit Lion here, like, yep. in a couple months, like. I'm a diehard Lions fan, and believe me, it is as hard as you can possibly die. Like, what's sort of your take on him just having played against him, his tape? Like, is he the real deal, do you think? Yeah, I would say he's the real deal. Uh, you know, obviously, he's uh, he's a top five projector, top, you know, top two, three projected draft pick for a reason. Um, he was very productive this year. Uh, he plays really hard. And then, you know, you got Ojabo on the other side who, uh, I think I said that right. Yeah, you got uh, it. You know, he was – uh, you know, right there too. So uh, facing both those guys this year was a great challenge. It was something that our guys will obviously have in their back pocket for the rest of their career to say, I played against two probably top 10 draft picks. And, um, you know, we played Purdue's guy too, and he's like a projected top 15 draft pick too. So, um, you know, it was it was fun playing against both of them. I don't really remember too much trash talk from either one of them. Um, I know they both got me, uh, you know, at least once. And so they're both really good players and, um, you know, Obviously, they had great, great years, both of them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see losing both of those guys is such a big hit to that defense. And historically, Michigan's always had some five-star kid to come in, and sometimes we don't even see it coming. So I never count them out, but losing both those guys, that's a lot of pressure off the quarterback for them. So that game famously, in a number of ways, but one in particular, was not without some level of controversy. <laughs> and... I don't even think it's arguable. It's clearly the biggest one uh, surrounding the game involved you directly. The near the end of the first half, was it a fumble? Was it not? We'll play it for the four people that don't remember it. And then I'm going to dig into this with you a little bit. So run that, please, Ben. Bam. 
In trouble! And he goes down. Loose ball. And he hits out. Hutchinson there. Touchdown Wolverines. A jabo. With pressure. The strip sack. Touchdown. And there, he's able to exploit it. This will be a great look of when, well, it, it's definitely out of his control at that point. Actually, writing down things. Right shin was down with control of the football. It is third down at the three-yard line. I mean, to me, that was the, the best uh, call overturn in college football history. I think it was brilliant, and it was, it was obvious. But might be a little bit biased. You were the guy in the play. Like, was your knee down or not? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I look, I hear about the rule, and, you know, I watch, you know, obviously I've seen that clip before, but um, the rule apparently says, you know, if your shin is down, then you're down. And when you watch the film, my shin is down. So, you know, you know, by rule, I was down. You so, were down. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, uh, that's my stamp or, you know, standpoint on it, and uh, that's what I'll go with. And it's funny because and Michigan fans do this with the Ohio State spot, you know, with uh, oh Barrett was short. Like it to me, these really close calls where fans on both sides say, "Oh, it was so obvious!" Like it wasn't even close. Like it's so disingenuous. I really think you were down by rule with the shin for right. what you said. Yeah. But it was bang bang. It was very close. This wasn't like the time the Saints got you didn't have a Super Bowl. Yeah. Because the receiver gets decapitated and <laughs> they didn't call it. Like. Right. This was not that obvious, but this was very obvious to them. You talked about Mel Tucker does not like this referee. Don't talk to the rest. We don't talk about ref stuff. We'll get to him in a minute. Jim Harbaugh came out like 14, 12, 14 days after the game, still talking about it. He's asked about, hey, what have you heard from the Big Ten about uh, that call, you know, with the Peyton Thorne fumble, no fumble. This was his response. I want to get into this in a second. Yeah, as 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 we all all expected, all all saw mistakes were made. That was the response. Yeah, they made a mistake. On that call. Yeah, and, and others. So they said they made mistakes on other calls. Yes. Okay. Can't be any more clear than that. <laughs> That's not the call. Huh? There were a lot of calls. I wasn't sure. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Got time for a couple more with Coach. I saw Bob stand up. I wonder, as a coach, do you believe in the concept sort of? The film doesn't lie, you know? I mean, it's funny because Wojo from the Detroit News, Bob Wojnowski, is trying to hop in there on a totally different question. And Harbaugh's jumping back into again saying, hey, film doesn't lie. This was sort of the line from him, the University of Michigan generally. The fan base was, but for that call, which was objectively blown, the Big Ten apparently admitted it, although they never came out publicly and confirmed that. But for that, Michigan wins the game. That was the only reason they lost, or the biggest reason, if not the only reason. And you won that game, and it has an asterisk on it. What's your reaction to that reaction, that sort of response? Just being the guy in the play, being the guy that actually won the game, does that bother you at all? No, it doesn't bother me. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, the result was the result. And uh, like I said before, if th if that's the rule, then, you know, then that was the call. That was the right call. And, uh, you know, I'll stand by that. And, you know, I won't talk too much about them or or their coach and what, what he thinks. But, you know, the result was the result. And, you know, it did happen in the first half. So, um, you know, 
would it have had a big impact on the game? Maybe, I don't know. But, uh, you know, the call was made, and, and, and that was that. And my argument was they had a 16-point lead after all that stuff happened in the second half. Yeah. Maybe blowing that was a bigger factor. <laughs> and, and, again, I don't even think the call was as obvious, even if you disagree. I agree with you, but I admit I'm biased. I might be seeing it through a different prism completely. But to me, shin is down. Rule is that the shin is down. You're down. I, I just, to me, it's like, hold on to the 16 point lead, maybe. Like, I, you guys obviously, you're on the sidelines because I was right behind, you know, the Michigan sideline. They were like, they thought they had you in the second half. They were like yucking it up yep. and they were talking. I mean, they may not have been talking to you on the field. They were talking on the sidelines to themselves. Oh, like, they're shook. They're, we had one of their big D linemen who say, oh, they're shook. They're shook. Were you guys, was there any panic there down 16? Obviously not that much, but were you thinking like, oh, shit, this is maybe not our day? Um, n- Not really, honestly. It was kind of just, uh, you know, when it was 16, I remember, I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, all that is, two-score game. You know, touchdown, two-point, touchdown, two-point, and it's tie game. And sure enough, that's what we did. So I remember hearing that on the sideline right before we went out for our first scoring drive. And... um you know, after you got that first touchdown, the two point, all of a sudden it's a one score game. It's like, okay, well, we got to stop here. We're going to go score again. And, you know, sure enough, we did and got, got the two point again. And then Ken sealed the deal with his long run later in the game. So um, there really wasn't too much panic. I, you know, I didn't feel like there was any panic on the sideline. It was kind of just get over, let's make our corrections. And obviously we need to go out and, and have some urgency here and, and go score. And, you know, that's what we did. Just as a quarterback, especially in that game, the intensity of it, the weather kind of sucked. It was cold and rainy. Would it be a pain in the ass to have your coach signal to you, hey, hey, the backup quarterback's going in here like four different times in the game like Michigan was doing? I mean, don't even talk about them, but just you. Wouldn't that affect your rhythm and kind of your flow of the game a little bit? Yeah, you know, I've never really been in that situation where I've had to do the, you know, run in, run out type thing. Um you know, I don't think that would be something that I would really enjoy unless we're just two completely different styles. Um, you know, I would like to, you know, be in the game as a quarterback usually is. He's usually in the game and in control. So, um, but I don't know. You know, I've never played in that situation, so maybe it's different than what I think it is. But, you know, obviously I would like to be out there, you know, the whole time. And, and that's what yeah. I would want to do. I just intuitively, I think that would be less than ideal. But I, I'm just, yeah. I'm never a fan of it. I never want Michigan State to do it. People wanted there to be like this Kirk Cousins, Keith Nickel thing back in the day. Like, oh, play them both. It's like, no, just pick one. I don't right. care. I don't care which one. Just pick one. So I want to contrast the coaches here. So we played the Jim Harbaugh clip, blaming the refs, you know, almost two weeks after the fact. I believe that clip was. He was talking about it two weeks after. Mel Tucker's response after the Purdue game. The Purdue game is one where one or two things go differently. You could have won. There were some bad calls, but I don't think Michigan State was cheated out of a win that was rightfully theirs. But he was asked about some calls that were questionable. I think, you know, whatever you think, they were objectively questionable. There were a lot of neutral people saying, I don't know about that. This was Mel Tucker's response right after that game. They told me what they called and then move on to next play. You know, we're not, you know, we're not going to, you know, blame the officials or anything like that. You know, we'll, we'll see what they say. Maybe, maybe we need to, you know, do a better job on those plays, and maybe not. We'll have to see. Don't you think that's a better way to handle it? Like, just as the leader, you're a leader. You're you're the player leader. That's the coach leader. That's the CEO. Isn't it just a better way to handle that situation? You know, I believe that, like Coach said, um, 
you know, we're not really relying on officials. Obviously officials are supposed to do their job. And, um, you know, it's not like officials are out there trying to, you know, fix games. And, uh, you know, I think that you really just got to take a look at in the mirror and, and take a look at yourself. And, you know, obviously in that game against Purdue, we could have done a lot of things differently that would have changed the out- outcome of that game. And really in our minds, the last thing we thought about was the officials. I really can't even think of any, you know, controversial calls off the top of my head. I would have to look at the game. There's one with Jaden Reed, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. leave it alone because we're not going to do that. All right, but all right. I made fun of them for doing it 12 days later. I'm not going to do it like six months later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously we, we, we watch the film and, you know, critique ourselves and we look at the film and look at what we could have done differently because you want to be able to be in control of your own destiny and not have to rely on anybody else. Now, if a, you know, if a crew makes, 20 wrong calls, and obviously that's going to affect the game, but I can't remember the last time that that happened. So, um, you know, we're focused on us and focused on what we need to do to win games and and then what we might have done to maybe lose a game. So uh, that's what we're focused on. So we talked a little bit about the transition into 2022 this season, the benefits of being the unquestioned starter. I thought Graham Couch, who has refused to appear on the show despite myriad invitations, I, I, I've sent him from many aliases, you won't do it. But I do enjoy some of Graham's work. He had an interesting quote, I think, really captured sort of the transition here for you as a leader. So we'll look at his quote. This is Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal. The Peach Bowl was the handoff. Kenneth Walker handing the team to Peyton Thorne. If greatness is going to happen for the Spartans in the next couple of years, it's likely going to come at Peyton Thorne's direction with his decisions, his arm, his moxie. Do you agree with Graham? Is this clearly Peyton Thorne's team right now as we sit here? Uh, you know, it, it, obviously it's a team game, you know, and, you know, we all have to perform together in order to win games. But oftentimes the, you know, the eyes of people on the outside do fall on the quarterback. And, you know, that's something people say all the time. And as you're growing up as a quarterback, that's what you hear. And, um you know, I've been told that they look at the head coach and the quarterback. And, you know, that's a, a something that you're aware of as a quarterback and something that you, you know, take pride in also and, and being the kind of head of the team, as some people might say. But, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a team game. And, you know, it's going to take more than just me doing anything. You know, it's going to take all of us. And it's a, it's a team effort always. And we won't win any games without – you know, a good team effort and, you know, we'll lose games as a, as a team as well. So, um, you know, going into the future, um, it'll be, you know, a group effort, but I do, I do, uh, take pride in, in playing this position and playing for this university and playing for this team and these coaches. So, um, you know, I do take pride in, in the fact that what I do matters and, um, you know, I know that's a big responsibility, and I take it very seriously. Great diplomatic answer, but I'm going to chime in and just say it is your team. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, great response. But, I mean, it's Peyton Thorne's team. and It's everybody's team. But just right. in the sense – I mean, maybe it's cliche, but in the sense of, like, things are breaking down, they're not going to run up to, like, the, the punter and be like, hey, you know, right. get, get us going. It's going to be on the quarterback. I mean, defensive unit is kind of a different thing, but at least with the offense, like, Eyes are on you, and I think you you get that. The cynics of Michigan State, of which I'm not one, painted this whole 2021 successes to Kenneth Walker Mirage. Mel Tucker is overpaid because he got paid based on one magical season that was 
He hit the lotto, lightning in a bottle with Kenneth Walker in the transfer portal. That's the reason this season worked out. And now we're all going to see the real Mel Tucker, the real Peyton Thorne, the real Michigan State, yeah. seven-win program, all that nonsense. I don't buy that. Does it piss you off a little bit? Like, do you look into this year of – and maybe you haven't even heard that, but it's prevalent. Like, do you look into this yeah. year of, like, kind of, all right, we loved Ken, great guy, one of the best players in Michigan State football history, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But we are looking forward to kind of showing what we can do without him. Yeah, you know, there there is a certain sense of that. Like you said, obviously, you know, I love Ken. He's one of my best friends. And, you know, he's going to do great things at the next level. And obviously I was very fortunate to play with him. But, um, you know, and he would say this as well, that it wasn't, you know, just him. Obviously he had a huge role in what we did. Uh, like you said, great player, uh, great guy. But, you know, Coach Tucker is the coach he is. And, uh, you know, when people say that he's overpaid for that, you know, he's getting paid for what he's worth. And, um, you know, I've said this before, but I, w I wouldn't want to play for anybody else in the country than Coach Tucker. And I believe in what he's selling. And, um, you know, I know that he understands that he knows what it takes to win. And he's he's won at the highest level. You know, he's won national championships. And, you know, he's, he's doing all he can to bring that here to East Lansing. And so um, there will be a certain sort or a certain aspect of that, of, you know, going out to – Again, not really prove the people that are outside of our program wrong because we're not really concerned with what those people think because, you know, they're not in in our building every day. And, you know, there's even some people in the building that don't understand quite exactly how everything's going because they're not in every meeting. And, um, you know, Coach Tucker has said before that the people that are outside of this meeting, when we're in a team meeting, they, they don't know. And, and, and they really don't. And so, um, you know, we're focused on – this year and being as good as we can be this year, obviously with a new team. And it's not just that we lost Ken, you know, we lost some other guys too, but we also have gained, you know, a lot of new guys too. So it's a completely different team. Obviously some key pieces are still there, but um, you know, we'll be looking to prove again ourselves right this year and uh, you know, see what we got as a team. You said you wouldn't rather play for any other coach in the country than the guy you're playing for right now, Mel Tucker, and you buy in completely to what he's selling. You're all in. What is it about him that makes you say that? Can you talk a little bit about why he has been so effective in selling this to you and to other guys in the program? Um, you know, the first thing I think of is that he is completely invested in winning and, you know, he wants to win desperately. And, you know, I, I can I can agree with that. And, you know, I see eye to eye with that because that's how I feel. And, uh, you know, everything that he preaches, everything that we do as a team, the people he brings in to talk to us, it all has one common you know, uh, direction. And, you know, it's all good people that we hear from and, you know, just the, the, the little sayings that he has and, and what he, what he believes in and what he, you know, preaches to us. It's like a lot for me, a lot of times when he says stuff, it's like, I've heard that before. And, you know, for me being a coach's kid, I've heard it from my dad and my, and my grandpa. And it's not just football stuff. It's, it's life stuff. It's, you know, what it takes to win. And it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, crazy for me to hear those things and be like, that's not something that everybody knows. And that's not something that's just like said all the time. Like I've heard that from my dad or from my grandpa and to be able to hear that from my coach now is pretty, pretty cool uh, for me, you know, growing up in a, in, you know, football like I did. And so, you know, just hearing that stuff and, and seeing, you know, how the work that he puts in and the hours he puts in and how serious he is about winning and how serious he is about, you know, taking our program to, um, you know, the next level and, and taking us to places that, you know, we've been before, but keep, keep climbing, you know? 
I would argue Mark D'Antonio is the greatest coach in Michigan State football history, and that's a program that had guys winning national titles in the 60s, yeah. you know, Duffy and Biggie Mudd in the 50s. I, I think D'Antonio will probably have a statue outside of Spartan Stadium, and it'll be well-deserved. But I do find the difference between the two interesting in this way. D'Antonio would openly talk about, before it ever happened, Rose Bowl, win the Big Ten. Rose Bowl, win the Big Ten. And that was, to some people, crazy because Michigan State was in the doldrums for like 23 years at that point. It seemed crazy, but he got there. But there was never like, oh, I want to get to the college football playoff, though it happened. Oh, I want to win a national title. That was I never heard him say that. Mel Tucker has said that multiple times in questioning about his recruiting, why he likes bigger guys. Oh, I want to, if I get to the playoff with, you know, Alabama across from me, LSU, I can't go in with these guys who are five inches shorter and a hundred pounds lighter than the guy across from him. He openly talks about, I want to be a national title contender. We got mocked for saying when D'Antonio said it about the Rose Bowl, winning the Big Ten, he did it multiple times in terms of winning the Big Ten. Now we're getting mocked as a program by some for saying, oh, like, how dare Michigan State even dream? How dare we even have the thought of winning a national title? Do you buy that as the ceiling? Like, can, can Michigan State, whether it's this year or five years from now when you're in the NFL making a bajillion dollars, mm-hmm. can they get to this point with Mel Tucker where they're in a national championship game against Alabama and down seven in the fourth quarter, like they're in the game? Do you see that as a pipe dream or is that realistic? No, I absolutely believe that's realistic. And I believe that that's what Coach Tucker, the image or the vision that he's selling. And, you know, guys are buying into it. And, you know, we've talked about it as players and with our other coaches that, you know, that is the end destination. That And, you know, it's always an ongoing thing. You know, it never ends. But, uh, you know, that's the goal every every season. And if that's not the goal for you, then you're not playing – at a place where that actually is realistic. And, you know, we believe that that is a realistic goal. And, you know, even though it was, you know, years and years and years ago, we have won national championships here. And obviously college football was different back then. But, you know, just, what, seven years ago, we were in the college football playoff and we're competing for a national title. So um, I believe that we play in a conference where if you win the conference, you're going to have a chance to play for a national title. So, um, you know, obviously that's the first step and and winning – uh, our division is really the first step and then get into the big time championship game, winning that. And then from there, you know, you're probably going to be in the playoff. And from there, you got a chance to to win a national championship. And so uh, I believe that that is something that is very realistic for Michigan State football. And I know Coach Tucker believes that. And, uh, you know, I don't think that that's crazy talk for anybody to say that. For, I mean, for years when I was growing up, obviously I'm older than you, Clemson was like the Michigan State of the South where it's like, it has some good recruiting classes, some good NFL guys, but it felt like they were going seven and five, six and six every year. They would lose games in weird ways, you know, the old same old Spartans thing, which was predated D'Antonio. Nobody saw them rattling off this five, six year run, winning multiple national titles, coming close to other times. Like that's sort of the barometer, I think, if you're you're trying to repeat that sort of a northern version of that. But I don't think it's crazy. I really don't. No. I you know, I know. I don't know. Do you know Odell Bredham Jr., famously of Twitter? Yeah, uh, you yeah. know Odell? Yeah, Great guy. He thinks there's going to be multiple national titles, not just one. So I know he's on board. So I'm with both you guys. I don't think whether it happens or not, it's tough to predict anybody to win one unless you're Nick Saban. Yep. But I don't think it's crazy to insinuate that it's possible. Really quick before we get to the speed on, I want to hit NIL very quickly. 
<laughs> Chris Solari, I don't know if you saw this. Chris Solari tweeted this picture out, shared this picture that was going around. Can we throw up the the t-shirt? This is <laughs> this is the worst t-shirt ever. Uh, I assume this was not a legitimate paid endorsement of Peyton Thorne holding up a damn right I'm a Spartans fan t-shirt with Tom Izzo coaching the football team for some reason. Like, did you see that when that came out? I did see that, and obviously that is not a real a real picture. Um, I don't know who made that or where that came from. I don't even think that's a – I definitely don't think that's a real shirt. So It's a real uh, shirt. I ordered one. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, let's it's, check it out. Yeah, I, I think like – I think a six-year-old made it overseas. It's probably <laughs> probably a frowned-upon process of how it was made. But, yeah, yeah. I, just NIL in general, we use that kind of a funny setup. But, yeah. like, is it weird? Like, do you get calls, like, to sponsor weird stuff? I know you're a good, you know, Christian. You're pretty buttoned up. Like, do you, do you don't get any, like, weird promo opportunities, anything like that? You know, I don't really, um, with the whole NIL thing, I don't really interact too much with people that are, you know, um, you know, offering anything. Uh, I, I have a, a guy who does that for me, a marketing agent, and, um, you know, he he deals with the NIL stuff, so I don't really have to, which is something that when this all started, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but, you know, it was something that I didn't really want to have to deal with. Obviously, you want to be a part of it and you want to, you know, make money if it's out there. But, you know, I didn't want to be a guy who's like searching for deals myself or like trying to create stuff and be an entrepreneur. Like my focus is football. And I believe that if I play football, um, you know, the best I can at a high level, then the rest of that stuff's going to take care of itself and the money will come. So um, I don't really deal too much with with people, you know, throwing crazy stuff out there. Uh, there's a couple like strange DMs here and there where it's like, <laughs> I don't even know what the heck you want me to do or what this is. And so usually when there's weird stuff, I'll just say, hey, can you email the, you know, the the email that I have in my in my bio of my social media? And so um some stuff will go there and then he'll present me with other stuff too. And then we'll, we'll go from there. So I don't really have to do too much of that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I have heard stories. I'm not allowed to re- like say the name. Someone was asked to, uh, this wasn't even a Michigan State guy. It was a different school to sponsor a, uh, I guess, sex toy thing. <laughs> I mean, he turned it down, but I, I, I got to think some of these requests are like, yeah, I feel, I feel like, I, I feel like I've heard that. I, I think that I was like, that's the thing out. I heard that yeah. like from a reliable source that yeah. that was like an actually, he turned it down, but it was like a lot of money though. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was like $300,000 for like a two year thing. Wow. And the, the kid was like kind of upper middle class family. So he didn't like mm-hmm. really need the money. Yeah. But he was like, like really like, Biblical guy, you know, devoted Catholic guy. And he's just like, I can't do that. You, know? <laughs> right. you got to think like those requests are bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a different train. We're all kind of navigating this strange new world. Right. But so let's get to the speed round. I know, like I said, you got to work out at like 4 a.m. or something. <laughs> you got a long drive in the snow, so we'll get you out of here soon. So let's hit the speed round real quick, Ben. Let's run it. All right, we'll start here. One of my favorite Michigan State players in recent memory, famously, perhaps obnoxiously famously, your high school teammate, <laughs> Jaden Reed. We, we threw the Colton Pouncey tweet up there, the uh, fuck it, Jaden Reed down there somewhere photo. He's just going to chuck it down. And uh, I think maybe selling you a little bit short there on that <laughs> one, but a lesser quarterback than you could probably make some stuff happen with that guy. He's a special guy. And the reason your offense was so effective is because you're both good. But just tell me about Jaden Reed. What's he like as a guy, as a player? How excited are you to have him back next year? Kind of the whole thing. 
yeah, obviously I'm really excited to have him back. Um, you know, as most people know, I've been playing with him for a long time now. So, um, you know, we had that connection. We have a, a real friendship. Um, but it, it's awesome to play with him. And it's really a lot of fun to hang out with him. He's a he's a great guy. He's one of those guys that everybody likes to hang out with, and he's kind of friends with everybody somehow. Um, but I live with him too, so I get to see, you know, you know, all aspects of, of, of the guy. So he's a great dude. Um, and you know, I'm obviously, like I said, excited he's coming back, but, but yeah, you know, he's a great friend of mine and, and really a brother of mine. So, uh, you know, I like throwing the ball. It's gotta feel good having like one of those guys that are just great on the 50, 50 balls in the Michigan yeah. game. It came up huge yep. where like, if you put it where it's 50, 50, it's not 50, 50 with that guy. It's like yeah. 95, five for him. I mean, yeah. he's just, he somehow has a 95% hit rate on quote-unquote 50-50 balls, but he's special guy. Please put in a good word for us. He's Will welcome do. anytime. Will well, I've gotten close a couple of times. We haven't gotten there yet. We were just talking about that actually a couple nights ago. So you, I, you were talking about yeah, it. I, th- I think he'll make the trip out here. He's going to do it. He should. Yeah. Wow, we got close a couple of times. Yep. He was texting either Hayward or Walker. I can't remember which one. They were sitting next to each other. He was texting them. Like, hey, bro, he invited me. Like, I, I would have come to this one. It's like, I, I invited him. Yeah. I, told, I said, Jaden, you're welcome anytime. It's like, <laughs> so, yeah, we got to get Jaden here. He's, he's one of my favorite players. Like I said, a long time. I'd love to have him. Yeah. And everybody says what you say. He's a great guy, fun guy. Everybody yeah, loves him. So, he yeah, he'd be a riot. So, speaking of Michigan State teammates, I'm going to start here with this one. You're a Michigan State teammate bodyguard. So, here's the setup. You're out in the town, let's pretend you're 21, you're bar hopping or whatever. And, uh, you know, you're not looking for trouble, but someone's coming up and causing trouble with you. If you could pick one guy on your team right now, we can even bring in last year's team too, that's fine, to be next to you, to protect you. Who you who are you taking in that? Man, there's a lot of guys that come to mind. Um, if you're allowed to be armed, I would say Maverick Hansen. That dude's definitely, you know, would be would be okay. Is he like he, a, an A shot or something? Why is that right? I don't know. The dude, the dude's got plenty of guns. I know. So he's a cow, I know he's a cowboy. He, yeah, I know he knows how to shoot them. So uh, that'd be one. If it was hand to hand combat, I would take Ken. That dude might have the fastest hands I've ever seen. When Ken we were, Walker. Yes. Ken oh, Walker. really? He his dad was a boxer, and so he grew up doing some boxing stuff. And uh, you know that he would he would knock someone out quick for sure. And then uh, Matt Kerr comes to mind, and then uh, Chris Bogle. Uh, is a new guy now from from Florida, and uh, you know he's a you know pretty shredded guy, so I'm sure he could do some damage. So that maybe be another guy. Ken Walker's dad looks like he could replace Ken Walker the third in the backfield next year. Yeah. Have you seen that guy in person? I actually haven't seen him in person, but you know I wouldn't I be surprised if he's jacked. His pictures, he's like lean. He, I mean, he looks like they're brothers or something. It's bizarre. Yeah, yeah he's he's like a. I, I didn't know he was an athlete, but. It yep. makes sense. He looks like he's an athlete right now. Yep. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. We talked about your dad a little bit sort of in passing, and he's been on the periphery of some of these stories. Just being a coach's son, that's something that fans, writers talk about a lot. They love it in quarterbacks. Like, is it what is that like being a coach's son? Is, is it nice to talk to him after a game? Does he call you and say, hey, your footwork was messed up <laughs> in, the, in the third series or whatever? Like, what's that experience like? Yeah, it's nice. Uh, obviously, growing up, I had a different perspective on football than everybody else because, you know, my dad was always doing it. And so, uh, you know, I was in the program my whole life. I was on the bus trips. I was on, you know, at the away games in the hotels, all that. And so I got to see a different side of football that, you know, the average kid doesn't. And I got to learn football a different way than everybody else does, too. 
And, you know, having my dad and my grandfather was also, you know, a longtime coach too and a, and a legendary coach in that. Um, is was a big advantage for me growing up in terms of football and, you know, my development and, and just learning the game and, and learning to love the game because um, without those guys, I don't know where I would be with my football career if I'd even be playing football. Um, but, you know, it's awesome. And obviously, he's at, you know, at Western Michigan now, which is, you know, really interesting. Yeah, for with, week one. Yeah, Friday week night. one. So uh, it's nice to have him now an hour away. Uh, you know, he's up here in Michigan. But, uh, you know, after games in college, he's he's really just a dad. He, he's not a coach really in college. Uh, through high school, we would always watch the film together, and he would grade my high school film out like he was a coach. And I got a whole lot of, you know, stuff from that. But, you know, it was fun having a, having a dad as a coach my whole my whole life and growing up. And football was never really bad. Like he was always, you know, good with football and like wasn't like super hard on me in football. The worst one was basketball. He would get on me when we played basketball about something all the time. And my mom would have plenty of stories about that. He wasn't crazy or anything, but like the worst stories about, you know, you know, father, son bickering and all that going back and forth was was definitely basketball. You were giving football. it back to him a little bit? Oh, I I would I'd be on the court and I heard him. I would I would always say something back to him. I'd be so I'd be so mad. But. <laughs> Were you taking like a, a deep threes like early in the shot clock or what was the No, problem? it was never really off. well, sometimes it was offense. Mostly it was defense though, telling me to play better defense or something like that. So Yeah. Yeah, that's it was So some, he was riding you pretty hard then like in a healthy way, maybe. But oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So he's your dad like is sort of a legend in the Michigan State program in his own right, just for his role and kind of your development. And yep. yeah, that opening, which was just announced that it's Friday night, that's gonna be really interesting. Everybody. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you guys yeah. don't talk before that one. They talk after, but not before. Very right. interesting. So we'll finish here. I'm curious where you land. I can't remember who the guy said, Walker and Hayward, but they had one Michigan State assistant coach who they said was by far the most intense guy. He was dropping down doing push-ups at a meeting one time. He's like, a, in a good way, they loved him. He's, he's like a crazy guy. Who is the Mr. Intensity of Michigan State's coaching staff? Is there one? And we'll like take Mel out of it. Is there one guy on the assistant coaching staff that's just like, Fired up, intense, like you just, you know, you can see the face turn red every day. Not even mad, just like engaged, enthusiastic. Man, I would have to think. I I mean, the the first guy that comes to mind is Coach Cap. Yeah, I I think they mentioned him, but he wasn't the one. Oh, yeah, he'll he'll get after you. He'll get after the the guys up front for sure, but he's also like super cool with them too. And I know they all love him. So, but during practice, you know, if you stand by the old line, you're going to hear him for sure. And he'll, he never, Excuse me. He never stops coaching. That's offensive line coach for the uninitiated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, if you ask those guys, they they'd probably say him. But he has fun too. So um, I can't really think of a guy who's like full blown like scowl all the time and you know crazy intense. So I would have to say Coach Cat. We'll, we'll we'll give him the title. All right, man. Yeah. You did a great job. I know. Uh, is it with the team you're working out tomorrow? You're yeah. Early? Yep, tomorrow morning. I'm not. I'm not too early tomorrow. Thank goodness. But um, you know, with Fridays are, you know, are, are, are good workout. So, yeah. uh, you know, we want you fresh for that. Yeah, exactly. I, I know Amber's up there giving you like BCAAs and like bananas oh, and yeah. shit, but oh, yeah. we, we still got to have you like well rested on top of Amber's work with the dietary yeah. side. Shout out to Amber. Amber's awesome. Oh, she's a star in her own yep. right too. Right. So, so you do have a homework assignment. You're a college student. You got to go home and you got to wake Jaden up and say, Hey man, Everything was cool here. Yeah. Like there weren't any groupies in the hallway. It was just my two staffers here. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll come. I'll make. I'll make sure he's out here. It's been a year battle. It's yeah. I've been fighting with them. It's like man, 
I, I'm relentless. So just like you guys, I'm going to keep bugging them until I get them. I, I just, I'd love to have them, but yep. uh, I appreciate you being here again with the workout tomorrow morning. You live far, you drove down here. You didn't have to do that. So we appreciate that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching you play, man. I'm a huge fan of yours. And, you know, ever since that Colton Pouncey piece before you took a snap, I've been watching you closely and it's really just been a pleasure watching your development. And I think we're in great hands having you here as the QB one and, it's just a, a privilege. It's been a privilege having you, man, honestly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me out. You know, you guys got an awesome setup here. And, uh, you know, it's been fun, you know, the ride here at Michigan State and, you know, meeting everybody. And I appreciate your guys' support, too. And I know, you know, the rest of the team does as well. Uh, Michigan State Twitter is the best it gets, man. I mean, yeah. it's a, we are like literally we were second behind Alabama, like objectively on the engagement list in the entire country. Yeah. Like we're crazy. So awesome. in a good way. So uh, Payne Thorne, thank you. Continued success to you. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, thank you to Ben Augusta, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of the curtain here doing great work as always. He does about 96% of the work around here. I do too. And Eric Williamson on his uh, couch and his boxers does the other 2%. But uh, shout out to you guys. We love you guys. Shout out to the audience, uh, Spiro Avenue Show. We are very sadly under construction, quite literally, starting Monday, the 14th Valentine's Day. They're knocking out all my walls to fix some leak crap. So we'll be gone for probably a couple of weeks. I thought Peyton Thorne was a great way to go dark. Uh, for a couple of weeks, is a great way to kind of end with a bang. We'll be back soon. We're we'll going to be doing some stuff on the side, though. But appreciate you sticking with us and making us what I think is, is certainly one of the top shows, hopefully, in the Detroit sports market and Michigan generally. We love you guys. And uh, we'll catch you soon. Spiro Avenue Show, Justin Spiro. Thank you.